Flag Football fans, we are finally back with another edition of the Underdog Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. It's Joe Talk back with another edition and we are here to recap what is finally a finished season, a 2017, I guess, slash 18 season as well. It was a crazy ride. As always, I want to bring on my good friend, and that is Joey Broback, and he's here with a lot to talk about. Don't we have a lot to talk about, my friend? Yes, sir, and just like Jello and Mellow Ball on the basketball court, Joe Talk is back, baby. Another ball reference. Oh. Hey, current like events. Better... you got to stay up with your current events, Joe. I feel like you've been just saving that for God knows how long. Yeah, I had I had a few weeks to come up with something to say. Yeah, it has been a while, but we were, like we said, we kind of have been waiting to how to see things played out, even though um, the national champion has been decided for quite some time now. But the last couple games finally finished up here, so that's why we are here to finally finish up the talk of the season, here to recap what has been, again, a crazy American Athletic Conference year. It was a... Up and down, I would say, for the conference, but obviously ended on a high note with that UCF win, which we will really dive into later. But the whole point of this show is to really discuss how all the teams did before we really basically just go on a rant that we've been saving for a couple days now. But So let's just really just dive right into it, just get it started with the very first game that made... The American kind of looked bad, just to say the least. And that was the Louisiana Tech beatdown over SMU, a 51-10 beatdown in basically almost a home game for SMU, which was kind of scary. Sonny Dykes' era really didn't get off to a good start, but I honestly, and I think you'll agree with me, Joey, that the fact that the previous regime all being gone and having been coached by a graduate assistant, that was really the reason why SMU really didn't stand a chance in this one. Well, the defense wasn't going to stop anybody in the first place, so it really wasn't a, I mean, it, it probably would have been a close game, even if the offense had things going. Uh, but if they, had, if they had their coaching staff, they for sure wouldn't have lost by 41. But, yeah, it's tough when the graduate assistants calling the plays and doing most of the coaching because they don't have that experience. So I guess it would have been nice if Morris would have stayed around, but I guess they didn't have the same relationship that Scott Frost and UCF did. So this is your result is kind of an embarrassing result, to be honest, for the conference. Ben Hicks looked terrible, like, let's be honest. And I I don't really know if you can blame necessarily all of that on the play calling because you still got to make the throws. But, I mean, there were a couple of, the, a couple of his turnovers, the two interceptions – Two of three, I should say, they were just right to the defender. So I don't know if that was he's not reading it or the play call was not the right call for the defense that Tech was showing. So I don't, yeah, it. I kind of give this one a pass. I don't know if they would have won it even if they had good play calling, but they were put in a tough situation, so I can't really blame them for struggling. I mean, this game really got off to an awful start right from the jump. They fumbled on the first play of the game. And then, next thing you know, they have a turnover on the first three series. You mentioned it. There was the two pick sixes that involved six turnovers as a whole. Obviously, when you got a 51-10 to 10 game like that, that's kind of expected. And I was diving through the box score, and I thought it was a little bit weird. It's just There was actually no touchdowns scored in the second half either. So I... Maybe there were some defense plays, just to counter a little bit what you said there. But, you know, it was literally, honestly, the only good thing that happened in that game might have been that the two teams agreed to a home-and-home over the next couple of years, because otherwise, for SMU, this was a miserable showing in a bowl game. You said it, Ben Hicks, just honestly kind of disappointing. But the next game that was on the slate was... The Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. 
and I actually got to be on hand for that game. It was beautiful weather down there in St. Petersburg. It was an absolute great time down there. But the game itself honestly didn't go as I thought. I thought it would have been a much closer game. The way it played out was a Temple 28-3 to win over FIU. When it comes down to it, I think it was more the fact that it, if Alex Magoo actually plays that game, it's probably a lot closer than that. And they insert Maurice Alexander. He wasn't really ready for it. You can tell. Uh, they tried to run the ball as much as they could. But it almost seemed like every time they went back to pass, it was a little bit skittish. He threw a couple picks early, and Temple just you know, kind of just ran away with it in the second half. Remember we were talking at the beginning of the year how Temple's offense was struggling and the defense was struggling as well and it's like Frank Newtile being put in is what changed the team. I'm not saying like the defense was elite for any by any means, but to only give up three points to a team that was one of the surprises in college football, that was I, I was really impressed by it. This might be the most surprising game. I don't think any other game really surprised me, but this one, after I saw it was over, I was I was shocked. So be being there, I felt that honestly in the first half, the two teams both played great defensively. Uh, FIU was definitely doing their part, to, obviously, to keep Temple at it. was a seven nothing game at the half, and it was only Newtile that scored at that point on a uh, rushing touchdown, actually. But then in the second half, like I said earlier, it kind of opened up, only because of the fact that you could really tell the difference that. You said it, New Tile came in and he kind of like brought new life to the team and he was obviously named the MVP of the game and the, really the difference was New Tile did exactly what he had to do and without Magoo in there for, for FIU, Alexander, you could just clearly tell Alexander, maybe a year where I, I talked to some FIU fans down there, they were honestly arguing and said, hey, we need to figure out what our quarterback situation is because the other kid's gone now, so they need to figure out what they're doing moving forward. But I think if you're an FIU fan, you have a lot to look forward to with the Butch Davis down there. So I wouldn't argue anything down there. The one thing I will argue is, though, the crowd down there. I thought it was just like a thing when the Tampa Bay Rays played at the Tropicana Field. I expected a lot more FIU fans at a game in Florida but I'm going to argue that it was a good, let me say 55-45 in favor of FIU. I was honestly surprised by that. And to be honest, there wasn't even that many that many people there to, to talk about. But it's an, it's another it's another one of those games that we t- we've been talking about all year, all year that it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. So those two teams, it does, but in the grand scheme of things, it really doesn't. Oh, I posted something about it, too. The, the two bands were honestly the best representatives, which I guess is honestly the case most of the time. But you get the crazy fans or parents, I should say. I saw a couple of fans that I recognized from the years. So there was a couple of people I did recognize from those days. But otherwise, you know, it was it was pretty, like I said, split down the middle, which kind of surprised me for seeing how one team's coming from Philadelphia, the other one's only got to make a few few couple hundred mile trip. But anyways, like I said, let's just get down forward to a game that had a pretty exciting finish considering how it was a, re- a really, really slow start for someone who broke AAC records, well, all kinds of AAC records, let's just say that. And that was the Birmingham Bowl where South Florida beat Texas Tech 38 to 34. I think it was just to me it's it's a little bit crazy how in that first half literally did nothing. 4 of 14, 52 yards. And then it kind of started at the end of it. They had the 21-yard touchdown with 51 seconds to go. And then the second half, boom. That's the Quentin Flowers that we were used to seeing. Yeah, it was a great way for him to go out especially with the career that he had at USF, and I think that's what we became accustomed to, is seeing him produce these eye-popping numbers every single week. And I'll just say one thing. is It's nice to see USF finally beat a competent team for once this year. 
Um, but we'll leave that there. It's, yeah, it was a great way for Flowers to go out. It was, you know, he, he did what he always does. And I think at, for most of the, at least the beginning of the season, we were kind of waiting for his special talent to, to show and for him to take over some games. And I think it took longer than many people expected, but we finally got it and better, better late than never, I would say. And the last two games, so this one and then the UCF game were probably his two best games of the season, without a doubt. Uh, the, I would say their defense, though, got a rude awakening against Texas Tech offense. Gave up 416 yards passing and well over 100 yards rushing to, I mean, Texas Tech is a better rushing team this year, but they're still Texas Tech who's trying to pass the ball all around the field and don't really focus on the running game that much. So I think that was the one thing I was disappointed in. But, hey, go Bulls, you know, finally beat a team that can actually play good football. Sounds like somebody has a vendetta. I will say Quentin Flowers is honestly, I, we've talked about this in the past, he's going to go out probably as the best player statistically in the conference. Uh, he did, obviously, he broke, thir- I wrote the number down, 34 yeah, 34 school or conference records. That's pretty damn good. He put, he passed the total offense numbers that Philip Walker said a few years ago from Temple, but he's gone. USF has got a lot, a lot of turnover that they're going to have to deal with next year, mm-hmm. to say the least, on both sides of the ball. I think that should be uh, a thing to be emphasized as well. Both sides of the ball, it's not just flowers. So let's just keep going forward with a game where I really expected a little bit more. I think there was a actual a uh, a moment in this game that uh, Houston, well, a certain player for Houston will never forget. That's for sure. And he's a damn good player, but it was something he doesn't do on the norm. But that was a Houston team that lost in the Hawaii Bowl to Fresno State, thirty-three to twenty-seven. Couldn't really get anything going on the ground, and that's a team where you know, I'm not going to say that they're a great rushing team, but you know they kind of need that in them. I mean, Dunbar had a great game. Don't get me wrong; he was Houston's MVP, and it really came down to a King interception that was. I mean, it's it was a pick six, but it was really deflected. It wasn't really his fault. But I honestly thought that Houston. We put up a better, a little bit of a better showing in the first half, at least in the first half. Well, you could argue that last year's team was more talented than this year's team, and they got spanked against San Diego State in the Las Vegas Bowl last year, 34 to 10. So, I think you could take it both ways. You could say that, yeah, it was disappointing that they lost, which it was. But I think at the same time, when you compare it to last year, the fact that they were in the game and had a chance to still win late is kind of a, I don't know if it, people took it as a positive. The King interception obviously was a backbreaker, got tipped, and then Dunbar was falling the wrong way because he was, you know, he's expecting the ball to continue forward, and the defender read it, caught it in front of him, and ran it back for a touchdown. So, I mean, that was literally the only difference. They might not win the game if Houston goes down and ties the game up. I don't know. They they probably still might lose, but that was kind of a frustrating way for it to go out. I mean, they here's the thing. Houston was never a consistent running team this year at all, so the fact that they struggled in the bowl game as well wasn't really surprising. Like we'd seen it we'd seen that all year. Yeah, but I thought it once they inserted King and it had gotten a little bit better because they gave him a little bit of different dynamic. Yeah, and it and it did, but um, and this game, it didn't at all. Yeah, but when you're when you're probably okay. So obviously, King is a better runner than Postma or Kyle Allen, so that obviously is going to help. But when you're the real problem was the line for most of the season, like that's not going to help that much. King's still going to be running for his life, which there were plays where he was running mm-hmm. all over the field, not because he chose to, because he had to. So, I mean, that you could point out a few to different things, but, you know, the one thing that I enjoyed was seeing Ed Oliver score a touchdown. That was pretty fun. Yeah, that's obviously what I was talking about earlier. I thought that was pretty cool, too. I mean, we, 
know about his athleticism, and I don't, I don't think that play justifies it, to be honest. Honestly, barely got in. But yeah, he, tackle. What do you want from him? Yeah, I mean, he got in. Hey, but he got in. He got in, and he's gonna be a monster one for one more year. But let's go into a game where, honestly, I believed in this game. I honestly thought this was gonna be the case. I thought Navy was gonna run right over Virginia, and that is exactly what they did. I didn't think it was gonna be this bad. But that's they did exactly what I thought they did, and that was a forty-nine to seven win. I expected maybe something like twenty-four to seven, maybe not forty-nine-seven. But when you rack up four hundred fifty-two yards, both your quarterbacks score all kinds of touchdowns. I mean, Navy from the get-go. Actually, I can't even say that because I believe. Virginia actually jumped out to the lead, and then, and then they turned it. Navy turned it on. Didn't they, didn't they take the opening kickoff back for a touchdown? Yeah, now that I remember it, yes, you're 100 percent right. Yeah, and then Navy just, woof, just that was it. It was over. Just took over from the start. It was Malcolm Perry. Uh, they really have something with that kid next year. Unfortunately, got hurt in this game. Didn't mean much because then. A.B. comes in and just has five touchdowns of his own. I mean, just total domination. We always do this thing with Navy. I'm not saying we, being me and you, but just as as a whole, like we underestimate Navy just because they don't have the same talent that everybody else has. And there was people around in this area, the Maryland, Virginia area, that were talking about, well, Virginia's got the motivation. They haven't been there in years and blah, blah, blah. Navy's there all the time. This was a home game for Navy. And they did what they always do. That's Navy football. They did exactly what they do. And they, they spanked the team that was probably better than advertised because they got off to a great start, but then down the stretch, they were pretty terrible. I was pretty disappointed in Bronco Mendenhall's team. I thought they would at least keep the game within reach. I I, did, I expected Navy to be able to run the ball, but I also expected Virginia to be able to score. I mean, the reason why we doubted Navy this year is because... I thought Ben Kurt would actually be able to pass the ball pretty well on Navy's right, defense. Because Navy had struggled at times with stopping offenses, and, and there were times where they had atrocious games. So that's why I think that's why we... We doubted them, or you know, there were some concerns, and they were legitimate concerns, but clearly they were erased in this game. My question is, so Perry and Abby were in a quarterback battle at the beginning of the year. How did how did Perry lose, first off, and then second, what all of a sudden clicked that he started figuring things out and won the job and then just do, like dominated for the last quarter of the season? That's what I want to know. That's honestly a great question. Just because of the fact that once they inserted him in the lineup, I just felt like that offense got crazy explosive. Yeah, like he, it, didn't get, he didn't just get faster overnight. Like he was this, he was that quarterback at the beginning of the year. Well, he was the, he, they pulled him out of the stands last year in the, in the Army Navy game for a reason. Like they knew the kid had some kind of skills. So it makes you wonder, like, why? I mean, same deal. AB was the start of last year, and they had to pull Perry out. What was the difference leading up to this year? I I, I can't figure that out. It's honestly a great question. But it's, I guess maybe it could also can be one of those things of look what just happened in the uh, Alabama Georgia runner up game. That's true. Pulling in freshman quarterback, and not that go crazy off course here, but I thought it was a little bit interesting how Lane Kiffin brought up the fact that how if, and I'm not even going to try to say his his last name, but if uh, Tua didn't play in that game, he was already talking about transferring to other schools. So nice ball. I thought that he does throw a nice ball. I thought the same thing. When he threw that first pass, I was just like, uh-oh, like, you could tell right away. It was like, oh man, this kid's actually might might be able to sling it. 
I saw people saying that they thought he wasn't a great passer because he was inaccurate. I'm like, the dude is missing these guys when he is missing by, like, a foot, maybe. If that's Hurst, he's missing by way more. I can't even describe it. Like, Hurts is so bad. They're easy picks. Yeah. They're easy picks, yeah. And we're going to see where he transfers to next year because he's got no shot of playing next season. That will not be a battle, but... Well, so to bring it back to Navy, then, so what what are they going to do next year? Because aren't Perry and Abby both coming back? So Both be they, back. You're right about that. It'll be interesting to see. I honestly think you got to go with Perry. I mean, I think he showed it in both games. He's just... He's got Keenan Reynolds in him. Yes, he's just way more explosive. They don't have to pass the ball. They could be just like Army. They legitimately don't have to pass the ball at all. They can... With Perry, I think they've also proved that in the past couple weeks. Or, well, I guess it's been multiple weeks now since we've done this, but they are able to do more things with Perry just because of his wheels are just off the charts in comparison to Avies. I mean, they, it's unbelievable. I mean, just look at the numbers. I don't have the, the, the number in front of me right this second, his yards per carry, but it's a lot. Just clearly way higher than anybody else on the team. By a lot. And that was, be, even before he was inserted as the starter in these last couple of games, and he has kept it going. Like, you expect that number to kind of dive down a little bit because, okay, maybe he's going to get hit a few times behind. No. And it wasn't even really a big hit that ultimately knocked him out of the game. And that injury that knocked him out, I think that's just another good thing to point out, is not anything that was, like, going to cost him next season. So he'll be back. Navy, I think, could be a dark horse team next year in this conference with him under center. That that's something I would actually really consider heading into next season. Uh, but let's just keep it going a little bit so that we don't dive too long on this episode. And I talked a little bit about disappointment for Houston. Obviously, this game is another disappointment, and that is Memphis's. 20 to 21 loss to Iowa State in the Liberty Bowl, which is basically a home game for them again. Honestly, this game kind of comes down to a couple things not going Memphis's way. They didn't have Henderson play the game. A roughing the passer penalty really hurt them. Another ineligible receiver downfield penalty nullified a touchdown. They missed the field goal. That was a killer. They picked off a pass, replay overturns, that doesn't count. So it was really one of those things where they can always point to those things, but in the end, Ferguson and Miller, yeah, they they left with some great numbers, but we, I know, at least me personally, I expected a lot better from them going against a P5 t- team in their final game. They had their chances, that's for sure. There wasn't, yes. it, wasn't, it wasn't like they were out of it. They kind of got lucky when Montgomery was called for a fumble in the end zone, even though you could see that he crossed the plane. But since they called it a fumble and they didn't have a good view of it on replay, then they couldn't overturn it. So they kind of got lucky there. But, I mean, they had a chance to go down and tie up the game, but then they ran four straight pass plays around midfield and couldn't complete one of them. Now, I don't know I, if I remember correctly. I think their old coordinator left and didn't coach the bowl game. I could be wrong, but I thought I heard that. Which, I mean, we gave we gave SMU kind of a pass, but that was more because they had their whole coaching staff gone. But, I mean, there is something to the chemistry that an old coordinator and his offense has. Now, I know... Norvell was calling the plays if if Dickey wasn't there, but just because you're a talented play caller doesn't mean you know kind of what your team's been doing all year. Like, Dickey knew what place he could go to on certain, certain situations and whatnot, and maybe that doesn't make a difference even if he was there, but I feel like that kind of has something to do with it at the same time. Like I said, though, 
Memphis had their opportunities, and it it was a disappointment, but at the same time, they only lost by one. So it still proves that these teams from the AC can compete with the Power 5 team, and Iowa State is really underrated. I, they came from the bottom of the Big 12, and at one point were tied for the lead. So it's not like this is some slouch team. I mean, Iowa State beat Oklahoma and TCU, so the fact that Memphis was still in this game says a lot to them, too. I think everything you just said is a perfect segue into, obviously, the discussion of this whole podcast tonight. And that is UCF's win over Auburn. You kind of brought up that whole discussion of Iowa State, put up those wins over two quality teams. There has been a lot of chatter from other conferences, including the Big 12 commissioner, who has honestly brought up Iowa State's wins over those teams, and it's really something that, that when I heard it, it kind of like made me, what's the word I'm looking for? Like shake my head, I guess is the best I could say on, on air where you're just one of those things where he basically said the competition in the conference is not the same as the Big Ten, the SEC, Big 12, and that's what we've been hearing all this time. Let's dive into some of those teams. You want to do that? You want to dive into some of these teams? Let's dive into a 1-11 and 11 Baylor team. What do they do for that Big 12? Well, you could just, I mean, put them and Kansas in the same. Well, well, that was the next thing I was going to bring up. Baylor, so, like, I wanted to, I brought up Baylor for a reason first. So, Baylor, they have been relevant recently, at least. We can't say the same thing about Kansas. When's the last time they have ever been relevant? 2007. We could... Yeah, there you go. There you go. 11 years ago. We can make an argument that every team in the American at some point hasn't been at least a bottom dweller. Kansas has been the bottom dweller of that conference for, for 10 years. That's true. Like, they're trash. They are, they are of, if you, in my eyes, of the P5s, they are the worst program. Illinois was probably got a lot of that coming into the season, but they haven't been the worst overall. I honestly would argue it's been Kansas or Kentucky, who comes from another conference that was argued in this conversation. Yeah, I don't know if I put Kentucky in the same category as Kansas. Kansas is, Kansas is in its own category. We can agree on that. Yes, Kansas is terrible. But then he also brought up the Big Ten, who had some pretty bad teams this year. You know, one of them being a Rutgers team, who is arguably one of the... I I think Rutgers for a P5 program is pretty terrible. I mean, Maryland Maryland was bad. Indiana was bad. Minnesota was bad. Nebraska was bad. You're going through my list. Uh, Maryland lost to uh, UCF this year, by the way. Mm, but just want to make sure that was pointed. Um, Illinois went two and ten this year. They lost to uh, a team in the AAC this year. God, Illinois is so bad. Um, I, so these are the argument that the Big Twelve commissioner was trying to make was that the teams on the top of the uh, conference in the American are all, all they have. They don't have the teams in the bottom part. You know. Well, I can make the same argument for the teams in those conferences. Yeah, you can make arguments for like any conference having bad teams. That that was just what. I, so we can make that argument for any conference. I could do it for the SEC. Vanderbilt, they're usually not a pretty solid team in that conference, right? Yeah. Okay. My guess, how I look at it, is you take take the worst teams from the AC, which that that's really going to show you your depth. So take the four worst teams from the AAC, which is ECU, Cincinnati, UConn, and Tulsa, and put those put them against like the four worst teams in any other conference. So look, since you're talking about the SEC, like who are the four worst teams in the SEC? Tennessee, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, and Florida. I don't think 
any of the AAC four teams are beating any of those four teams. No, I'm not trying to make that argument. I'm not trying to make that argument whatsoever. But I'm trying to say if they were trying to to make that total argument themselves, like there are some teams out there who are, we brought up Kansas, Rutgers as of late, Indiana football has been anything too spectacular as of late. I live in Maryland. I hate to say it to them. Maryland football hasn't been anything spectacular either. There are certain teams that, that, like, it's, yeah, they'll beat the teams in our conference, and why does that have to hold back a team like UCF, who's clearly beaten a team in the Big Ten? Who cares what? I don't think the fact that Maryland's record at this point now should matter. They're, okay, they're a P5 team. They beat them. They were on their schedule. And then they beat a team that was ranked, which is a Memphis team, and then a USF team that is now ranked. And then we're going to finish the season now where they're being an Auburn team and they're not getting any respect whatsoever. Only a couple voters are giving them some respect. Honestly, I wish there was a way for these two teams to play at this point, they being Alabama and UCF. UCF, on top of that, was the biggest underdog to win a bowl game. Like, it just proves even Vegas doesn't have the respect for them. Well, and I also hate the argument that, well, UCF didn't play a Power 5 schedule, so they can't be in it. Well, no, that's stupid. Not everybody can play a Power 5 schedule. Does that mean that they don't just... The Power 5 is afraid to play the American. We need to establish that, like... People are not understand like we understand that because we know that, but like people are, they will not play these teams. They are afraid to play them. And so you look at like, pull up like Oklahoma State. They played a Power Five schedule and they went ten and three. Like there's only not everybody's gonna go twelve and zero in the regular season, eleven and one, ten and two, like. No one, not everybody can play a Power Five slate. That's just, it's just not possible. So that argument is ridiculous. Just because you don't play a Power Five schedule doesn't mean you're a bad football team. And now with you, okay, so the thing that I love that UCF's doing is that they're claiming a national championship because nobody can officially take it away from them. So they can say, they can, they can say whatever they want. They can say, oh, yep, we won the national championship. And in the records, it's going to say that because no one can say, oh, well, because the NCAA, because the college football play. No, you can't. Like, no one can take it away from them. So as ridiculous as that is, like, people are getting mad for them being ridiculous. But the fact that they're not included in the playoff is ridiculous. So it's not even – the playoff just got exposed, essentially, because it's not even about – having the four best teams making the playoff because Alabama wasn't even the best team in the, they weren't the best or second best team in their conference and yet they got included over the second best team who UCF beat. You basically said a lot of what I wanted to say. You really did. There's so many there's so many flaws. You have to change things. If Alabama deserves to be in the playoff this year, then so does UCF. Like, okay, Alabama plays the SEC. Cool, congratulations. But who did they beat? Mercer. And they... Okay. (laughs) Mercer is apparently a better win than Maryland. That's a big, that's a big win. Apparently. And that, apparently, because, because, because you're Alabama, playing Mercer just goes out the, out the window. But if you're UCF, playing Maryland, oh, well, you didn't play a good Power 5 team. Have these power five teams scheduled? And the funny thing is, so you you saw the billboard that the UCF fans pay for, right? Oh yeah, it was great. So so all of the Alabama fans that are looking at that, they're laughing at that and saying, "No, that's ridiculous." Well, that thinking right there is the reason why there's a problem, because you won't play those teams. Well, there's no opportunity, and I think that was like one of those things that honestly, and I think. A point that's a little bit getting left out is Scott Frost now, he won the game. I mean, he doesn't even have to think about UCF anymore. He's now Nebraska's coach. But he's still advocating for UCF. He came out 
the other day, literally the other day, and said that the committee made, and I think it was in quotes, which is the best part, conscious effort to keep them out of it. Because he didn't want them in it. Or not he, but the, he felt like the the playoff committee just did not want them in it whatsoever. And I, we argued all season long that we thought that was the case. And can I argue that if Alabama plays UCF, that UCF wins that game? No. But we're also never going to see that game. And that is what I thought the whole point of the playoff was to get rid of. Like, it doesn't make any sense to have... Like, we're right now, the season's over, and we have an undefeated team not going to get a chance. Like, we could scream, holler, do whatever we want. It's just not going to happen. That game's not going to happen. So... You're right. If I'm if I'm UCF, do what you're doing. I'm 100% behind you. You won a national championship. You're the only undefeated team. You beat an Auburn team who plays in the same conference, like you said. And Alabama, we can argue, shouldn't have even been in there to begin with. They don't make a couple moves that we talked about earlier. They're not there. So it's one of those things where I just can't understand where people are really arguing against it. Why do people think it is a ridiculous argument? That, in my eyes, that's what bothers me about this whole situation now. There's people out there who really are trying to argue the fact that, you know, Alabama's claiming this, or excuse me, that UCF is claiming this championship even though they weren't in the college football playoff. Do we need to remind people of Alabama's past championships and some of them they've claimed where, hey, they were ranked 20th in the polls and they claimed the championship. Like, come on now. Like, at least this team actually finished undefeated, beat an Auburn team, again, who has beaten both of those teams. Well, okay, so to go off of that, so, yeah, they beat both of those teams, and you telling me that the talent level between Alabama, Auburn, and Georgia is really that drastic? No. Like, it's... You could you can make the argument. I understand that you could rank them one through three. I get that, but the difference between those three teams is not that much different. And UCF beat the team that was that beat Alabama and Georgia, so they can do it. It happened, and UCF beat the team that beat those two teams. So you can't tell me that UCF didn't wouldn't have a chance against those teams. And to broaden the whole discussion out a little bit more, so this is the same UCF team that went down to the wire with a Memphis team that played a solid game against an Iowa State team that we just talked about. And this is the same conference that had a USF team that played well against Texas Tech. So this whole argument that, okay, maybe they can keep arguing that the whole conference as a whole might not be as strong as the other conference, give them that, okay? Let's let's give them that right now. But who's to say we just saw arguably the three best teams in the AAC, they held more than their own against their P5 opponents. Two of them won. One almost won. This whole discussion about whether they just don't play, I don't want to hear, like, if you're a team that's going to go undefeated in the conference, that means you're still playing against two of these Great teams. It's not like you just literally... There's years where teams just walk through a conference just because there's nobody there to challenge them. We can't say that about the American. Because even a team as Houston had a down year, they're still a very good team. SMU had a lousy showing in the bowl game. Still a very good team. Temple down the stretch showed that they're a pretty solid team. Navy even has showed next year, that they're going to be able to compete with almost anyone with, with Perry under center, as it looks like. So, Well, and Navy Navy was, what, like the sixth best team in the American? And, and they dominated a P5 team. The sixth, yeah. Like the sixth best team in the ACC, yeah. or eighth best team, whatever. That's, so, yeah, bring up the bottom four teams and and we can't argue, you know, and I feel bad kind of including Tulsa and them just because it's, it wasn't that long ago they were good. Yeah. This year they were bad. But, so, like, let's just say maybe the bottom 
well, it's really bottom two, UConn and ECU, to be honest. Sorry to pick on you guys all the time. But, like, we can, you can make that argument for almost every conference. That's, that's the argument for that I really wanted to make about this whole, this whole night. It was one of those things where this conference is really not that bad. It's not this thing, okay, basically it's more to me, it comes down to the discussion of the dollars that the conference makes compared to what the other conferences make. And UCF doesn't have the same fan base as, say, oh, and Alabama, who was the number four team. But that's an argument I can make all night long. Yeah. And I just, I think it's, it's, you need to include the teams that deserve a chance to play for a championship. Like, Alabama had their chance, and I know the argument against this is going to be, well, then everybody's just going to go to a weaker conference. Well, okay, that might happen, but eventually everything's still going to even itself out. So I don't want to hear There's that. only so many conferences. Exactly. So, so Alabama had its chance. They had a chance to do it, and they didn't. So why should they deserve to go in? And the fact that not playing for a conference championship put them in over Ohio State, who beat a top-five team in a conference championship, just it also makes it that the conference championships games don't really mean that much, which they really shouldn't if you think about it. Like, you winning the conference during the regular season should carry more weight than playing one game. I get that some teams like Georgia and Auburn already played, but, like, if a team didn't play that other team, you would just, it's, that's just part, like, you just pick a co-conference champion then. Playing one game, you saw this year, like, Auburn already beat Georgia. So Georgia had their chance to beat Auburn, and they didn't. So, why should Alabama get to jump them because the conference championship game went their way? Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me how some of these things work. Like, Alabama had a chance to make the playoffs, and they didn't, they didn't win. So now we're just, now we're just gonna give them a chance because they're in the right position? That's what it was. It came down position and preseason rankings, by the way. No, a lot to do with it. Right. And so, I mean, well, I'm not going to go down to the committee way, but, like, the, 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 the committee in the playoff are kind of becoming a joke. Like, UCF just t- saying, like, we don't care that you didn't include us in the playoff and that you screwed us over in the rankings every single week. Which I love, by the way. Yeah. Good for them. They should. Okay, well, we're going to take a national championship because nobody can enforce that. So it basically just makes this whole process a joke. There's no point. Alabama might have beat Georgia for whatever game you want to call that, but UCF's still going to claim a national championship. And they have a right to. They are the only undefeated team. The only undefeated one. And it's, again, it's not like they went through, like, their final stretch of the season, in my eyes, verified like, they lose that game against Auburn, even if they lose, well, technically they were, you know, a touchdown away from this game going into overtime. They lose that game. I'm not saying that you, obviously I'm not saying that UCF is a national championship, but that's still a damn good year for UCF that shouldn't be discredited. But the fact that they went undefeated, I feel like is being discredited, which it shouldn't be. They're the only team that is undefeated, and it's getting discredited. And you kind of brought up the thing earlier, and it kind of made me think a little bit. So, like, say these teams all of a sudden decided to shift the landscape and go to these weaker conferences, do it. At this point, I feel like the only way you're ever going to truly decide a national championship in college football is if you somehow go into the same thing as college basketball. And that's kind of in Danny White's argument where, at least in that one, every team gets a shot. Because right now, the way it is in college football, <laughs> everybody doesn't get a shot. It's whoever the four best teams that a certain committee feels like are the best. And we've already talked about how biased that committee can be just because of the fact that most of the people on that committee are from power conferences. Well, what's so bad about putting a UCF team in there. Like, why is that such a bad thing? 
I mean, over. I over, think it's a great over. thing. I think, for me, I think, and I'm going to argue, I've said it again, I think it comes down to Alabama getting that number four spot was because people will watch. I think that actually played a factor. I think, I hate to be a conspiracy, you know, like, act sound like a conspiracy, just because of the fact that they know a team like that's going to draw more, more dollars to watch the playoff than, say, a UCF team. Even though UCF, honestly, UCF was never given a shot. Even if they, you know, it would have went to probably, I believe it was Ohio State. It's been that long ago now. Pretty sure it was the, the debate was down to, between them. But it's one of those things where, like, they weren't even in discussion. And that's why I think Frost actually brings up a good point where they just, they never really had any, they never had a shot. Like, there was no shot of them even being in the discussion. And I think that is the worst part of it all. And, I mean, just look at the final standings. They finished, they got some first place votes, but they finished sixth. Like, just, they're, they're continuing to slap them in the face, honestly. Well, and so, if, if the playoff is about the four best teams, then Alabama should just be in it every year because criteria is the, just based on talent. Yeah, we have most talent. Who cares what the record is? That's what they said this year. We don't care about the record. We don't care And if we're happens. just going to do it on that and then, and then recruiting classes, so we might as well put Georgia for the next couple of years, apparently. Well, and this, so this is another funny thing is, so Alabama's loss to Auburn, they're like, oh, well, that's a good loss. But then UCF beats Auburn, it's like, oh, well, they didn't play anybody, so it doesn't matter. No, it's the same team. That's been, and that's, I think, has been our argument all season long. Like, it's good one way, it's bad the other way. Like, okay, any other team beats Maryland, we said it earlier. Great win. UCF does it. Well, they're a, in the bottom of the Big Ten. No, this is a, a Maryland team that, I mean, granted, it's been a while since they won, but they're not, like, they're not, they're not a bottom feeder like Kansas, like we keep talking about. You know what I mean? Like, they fluctuate at least a little bit. Well, and we, we talked about this earlier in the season, too. Like, momentum plays a big, fa- it's a big factor in a team's success. So a team that's coming in at 12-0 and 0 and isn't in a bigger conference, they have the confidence to play with those teams. Now, we're not talking, like, Houston went 7-5 and five this year. We're not saying like, oh, Houston deserves a chance in the playoff because they went 7-5. and five. They don't have that same confidence that UCF has. Even like Memphis, who went 10-3, like they have confidence, but not like what UCF has. So you can't just discredit them because they play in worse conference. And it comes back to what we just said. It's, they beat Auburn. Auburn beat Alabama. Like, I'm going to keep pounding that into people's heads until... You realize, like, one, not everybody can play the same competition. That's never going to happen, so stop making that argument. Especially when they're afraid to play. Exactly. And two, we talk about playing similar opponents. And that's one of the criteria for getting into the playoff. Well, Alabama lost to Auburn, and UCF beat Auburn. What more do you need to prove that UCF deserved a shot? So, like, I'm going to keep saying that UCF is national champs because... That's how ridiculous this whole process is. And it's been, it's, it's literally, this is like the cherry on top because you and I have been talking about this all year and how there's flaws and we want to see things changed. And this is the perfect way to end it because you see, oh, it's ridiculous to not give a team a shot who beat a team that beat another team that was in the playoff and they were given a shot just because of their reputation. And that's what it was, reputation. Which, that's not what it's about. No, it should be about what happens on the field. And this brings it back to, honestly, we have talked about it all season long, and that the ranking system literally does start before the season starts. It does. Well, and go to the com- even go to the committee who starts in week nine or whatever. We've, we've talked about this before. Don't and do you that. Get, yeah, you don't have to Your go... Your job is to pick the four teams at the end of the year. If they picked at the end of the year, they would not have picked Alabama. So they don't get a shot to play. It's just because of the fact that at the time they were sitting right outside, you know, just because of the numbers. But why, but why exactly. is that? Because they started rankings at week nine. Don't do that. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. 
And again, I can just go on and on about what the finances behind teams have to do with certain things. That's why it doesn't help out these G5 schools. And it's one of those situations, again, we'll never know. The game's not going to happen. We'll never know. I do think it was great that UCF just called them out. Hey, obviously we know that game's not going to come, the the game that's going to really decide it this year. Play them at home and home. Why not? Let's see what happens. Let's see how well UCF can compete against a team against Alabama. Well, and you saw, look at, look at last year. Houston played Oklahoma and they're going to play them either next year or the year after. And Houston yep. beat them. What, what more do you need? Oh, they didn't play a schedule. It was the first game of the year. And that UCF team next year is going to be better. Well, yeah, what's your, what's your excuse there? What is their excuse? Tell me what their excuse is. It's the first game of the year. Oh, well, they don't play anybody. Well, they haven't played anybody. Neither is Oklahoma. I would love to see these two teams literally clear both of their schedules, first game of the year next year, do it. Why not? It's all it's all about matchups. Because if you th- if you think about it, UCF UCF is going to have everybody back. Alabama arguably might be better because now Hertz is not under center. So why not? I mean, obviously the only real difference will be the fact that Scott Frost is gone. I mean, UCF will be missing some pieces, but obviously so will Alabama. So let's do it. If you, in my eyes, let's do it. They they. They put it out there. I think that's something that should really be pushed. Do it. Start the next year with that. Teams change their schedules all the time. Change it to make that work somehow. I'm right there with you. Start the season, Alabama. Start the season, Alabama, UCF. I'd rather watch that than Alabama, Louisville next year, which is going to be a joke. Uh, I wish I knew who UCF was playing to start the season next year. I, when I w- well, they their non-conference schedule doesn't start till week three, so it's going to be a conference game, which that hasn't been released yet. Gotcha. Well, there's that. There you go. See, that's what I have you for. See, I know what I'm talking about every once in a while. But, like, Louis- Louisville doesn't stand a chance next year to open the well, year well, Alabama. Because Jackson's gone. Yeah. Even if he was there, he'd need, he'd need to score or put up a 1,000 yards by himself just for them to have a chance. Also true because I will say Alabama's line is scary. Defensive lines are scary good every year. Give them that. Yeah, it's, we're not saying they're a bad team. It's just you had your chance. Sorry that you didn't get it the first time. Like, are we just going to give everybody second chances now? No, we don't do that. Apparently we do. But you, so we give them a second chance, but we don't give UCF one chance. That's just, what happened this year. Just because of reputation. Well, they don't play anybody. I don't care. They're a good football team. Let them try. They beat Auburn. They put up more points on Auburn than Alabama did. I think Alabama put up 16. They put up more points than anybody this year. Period. Yeah. And that's so, the other thing. Like and I think that kind of guy... Team. They got... I think that got kind of swept under the rug, too. That's like... It wasn't like they were just... Beating teams, they were dismantling teams most season. Okay, and then this whole like you were talking about how Alabama's linemen are huge. Well, Auburn's offensive linemen are just as big as Alabama's, probably just as talented. And a guy with one hand made them all look ridiculous. Yes, he did. He had a phenomenal game. I feel like I honestly I feel bad we haven't even talked about him yet because he had a great game. But we can't talk about him because he plays for UCF and they don't play anybody. Yeah. How ridiculous is that? Sure, sure. Griffin kicked the beating you-know-what out of their line. But we can't talk about that because they play for, play for UCF. They don't play anybody. So they don't deserve it. Well, here we go. National champs. Suck it. I, think, I mean, honestly, uh, there was a stat that I have written down here that I kind of wanted to bring up, but we just went on that tangent there. So... UCF's defense, they had 21 sacks going in, into the, into the game. And they played 12 games going into, the, into that. Six in that game. I mean, Griffin, you talked about it, played the game. I don't want to say the game of his life, but he was great. He was phenomenal that game. And there's no argument that he's going to be great at the next level. Honestly, I, I wish people would just stop talking about his hand because it doesn't even matter. 
he's a damn good football player. Yeah, I mean, he, watch the film. Like, film doesn't lie. No, not, I mean, he, he had one of the best games for a defensive player against, and again, it's, it's not like he's playing against slouches. Like, he was playing against guys that Alabama's, you brought it up, Alabama's defensive line struggled against. He, he, he held his own. More than held his own. Where do you go from here? That's the thing. So, like, moving forward, Scott Frost is gone. And I'm not talking about in the sense of, like, next year. I meant, like, if you're looking forward and knowing that you can go 13-0 and you can't really even get into the discussion, because another thing we really didn't dive into is how much it costs them financially just to not even be in that playoff. That cost them a ton of money not to be in there. So it's just one of those things where it's like, if you are a team like UCF, we kind of released a story earlier today, do you try to make that push into getting out of this conference? Which I don't really would hate, obviously, as a fan of the conference. Yeah, but if all these naive people are going to keep thinking the way they think now, which is the problem, it's not that UCF doesn't play anybody, it's that we don't open our minds to other teams playing good football regardless of where they're playing. It's almost like one of those things, you know how some people just need to have like a designer name on things? Yeah. That's how it is with these conferences. If you're not the SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, then well, I'm forgetting one all of a sudden. Big Ten, I think, is the one I'm forgetting. Anyways, it doesn't matter. But like, if you're not one of the the premier names, like, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, I, they won't settle for you know the the what's afterwards. Even though sometimes that could be a lot better. There are a lot of things out there where they don't have to be the the top of the top of the charts. The the, the middle of the line thing just works just as well. And that's the case here with UCF. They're not the the flashy school with all the money that Alabama and Georgia and Oklahoma and Clemson all have. But they did what they had to do. They won all their games. They did their part. It's a discussion that we can really just honestly go on and on and on about. I think the thing that I want to kind of just, I guess, end this on was the fact that Frost did come back, did his part, they won the game. It's not like he just disappeared on them, and I'm not just saying the fact of even the fact where he played the game and, you know, he he left. Like, he's still advocating for them now, even though now he's not even the official coach anymore. I think that was great. But I also do have to think that getting a nice little national championship bonus had something to do with that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it probably did. But at the same time, you can t- like you can just tell in his voice that it's no, 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 no. Yeah, he cared. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I think I think that I think that's like a little like you know like a little nudge on the side. It's like yeah, like hey, we gave you some money too. You know that. Well, I don't think they did actually because I think he maxed out his contract with bonuses. So I don't think he even got the national championship bonus. Well, the assistants did. Yeah. Who he who he's he's taking them all with him. Well, we'll take what we can get. Which right now is nothing because ignorant people ruin that for us. Uh, that's why we're gonna end the show. I mean, we could talk for twenty four hours about this, like nonstop, and just keep rehashing the points. Which uh, we we could talk for forever. We could talk about the we could talk about the ball family again if you want. And on that note, <laughs> this is where we end this episode. It kind of sucks that we're going to end the episode, or the season, I should say, on this this kind of a sour note, because UCF will not get a opportunity to show whether they're the true national champions, but, hey, I guess that's kind of the good thing about college football. It gives us something to debate about. Otherwise, we're not doing a show like this. No, you see, you said it wrong. you got to end the show this way. You said, it's unfortunate you got to say it's unfortunate that Alabama doesn't really get a chance to win a national championship this year. Stick it to the man.